Welcome to the Internet Advisor Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Foster Brown. Along with my co-host, Gary Baker, and our team of experts, we've been helping people like you since 1998 with your computer problems, introducing you to valuable resources, and promoting tech enterprise throughout Michigan. The Internet Advisor is a two-hour podcast recorded every week at the studios of historic WJR Radio in Detroit. Both hours of the show are available each week on this podcast and are streamed to our affiliates across the state of Michigan. We're also proud to be part of Detroit's newest and fastest-growing podcast network, PodcastDetroit.com. And now, here are your hosts with this week's Internet Advisor. Welcome to the Internet Advisor. I'm your host this evening, Ed Rudell. In studio with me is Kasten Thomas, and we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the new gadgets that are coming out this Christmas, the Pixel 3, and uh, how to do some safe browsing with Brave, and uh, some, some interesting studies with social media and uh, how they're using it to detect depression. Stay with us. We'll be back with these topics and more. And welcome back to the Internet Advisor. Edward Allen here. And Kasten, so good to have you in the studio with us. Oh, I'm cooking today. <laughs> well, we need to be cooking. I wish we had a stove in here to warm us up. Oh, tonight's our annual uh, the Connie and Kasten Chili Cook-Off. We do it the Saturday before Thanksgiving. And uh, we've just got the greatest friends who all come in. And, uh, you know, I'm a Texan and love the purest of the chili. Folks, chili does not have beans. <laughs> it does not. No, when you go to a competition, yeah. uh, particularly in Texas or you know throughout, chili does not have beans. So, oh, well. I mean, people cook with it, and you know, we give an award, and every year it seems like the white chili wins. So you know, I've just given up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was good for the first few years, but yeah, I don't know if I've ever had traditional chili. You oh. know, Texas chili. Oh, there's a Bobby Flay Throwdown competition where Bobby Flay actually won. Mm-hmm. best chili I've ever had. And uh, one of our friends told me that she's making it. So I'm just going to put my name on it and compete with her. Right. <laughs> take the easy way out. Okay, okay. I'll to take some pictures and we'll post them on the website then. Okay. okay. Well, my sangria takes the cake. So that, <laughs> that wins every award. So maybe we won't take pictures. Okay. <laughs> um, well, there's some news, um, you know, some new devices coming out. And, uh, you know, my son has the Pixel 2. Yep. And uh, and he really talked me into that because of the camera mm-hmm. and uh, and it, because of its open architecture. And it didn't come with a lot of the baggage that you might get with a with a one from Verizon or, you know, a Samsung yeah, or something. Samsung. Yep. So what makes the Pixel 3? You, you've been reading some of the reviews. What's making the Pixel 3 so hot right now? Well, you know, people the, are talking about the it. iPhone, uh, you know, has really taken some great steps forward in the photography and in the enhancement and the lighting and adjustment and things like that. Uh, So has Samsung, but the Google Pixel 3 XL uh, has some night light features that are just off the charts. And uh, if anybody's really interested, uh, if you just went out and did an internet search for Google Pixel and then the words The Verge, but do it all as one word. Right, no right, space. The Verge. There's just a beautiful comparison of what the iPhone does well, what the Samsung's latest phones do, and then what the Pixel does. And the night lighting is really amazing. 
because it just brings out the colors and it does it with longer exposures and I, I don't know. Well, and then the multiple photos yeah. because when I was reading the article, it was saying there's only so many photons that will actually hit the lens of a digital camera at one yep. time. But when you take multiple photos and then you stack them together, uh, it, it really brings through the color and the sharpness. Yep. But you know, what comes with that is the multiple photos. If the, if you're doing something that has a fast-moving object or even a not-so-fast-moving object, you're not going to get good uh, good color, good imaging there because you can't blend those photos. And uh, it's kind of like if you take a long exposure of the, the nighttime sky right. and your hand's shaky, it's just not going to come across because that lens is open for so long. Right. And the same thing if you take a long exposure of a fire, you just... It's not going to be the same. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's when we go to video, right? Yeah, that's when you go to video. That's right. But then you lose a lot of the subtleties of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, th that brought another thing to mind, which is, uh, you know, sometimes we talk on the show about uh, what do you believe? And Connie's in real estate, and she showed me uh, a notice that she got about posting, quote, enhanced photos. Okay. And uh, she works with a commercial photographer who's also a videographer and a drone pilot. And uh, he's agreed to come on the show next week. Oh. And we're going to talk to him about what constitutes ethically within his industry uh, true photos. Because, you know, as an example, if you were doing a real estate portfolio and you were going to put forth, uh, you know, the example is you take a picture of the bedroom and you change shadows and you shrink the furniture. Mm -hmm. That's deceptive because you're making the property look larger or the rooms look larger. So obviously when somebody comes in and sees the, the property, they're going to know that they've been had. But the trick is, is, hey, get them in to see the property. Well, yeah. that's clearly deceptive advertising. Well, you know, we, I remember we when we sold our house, we, we, we took our stuff, put it in the new house, and then we went to the Salvation Army and bought a bunch of small furniture to make the living room look yeah, larger. Yeah, you staged it. Yeah. Yep. It's called staging, and, and really and good furniture real estate agents with, will do that. Yeah. But, you know, if you caught a, a property on a gloomy day, it's not deceptive to put clouds and change the weather and enhance the sky. Oh, that's true. So, you know, it really comes down to we're going to have to figure out in this society where you can do videos and all kinds of image enhancement to not to mislead people. Yeah, that's really what it comes to. So I'm I'm wondering if there is an app for that. So like if you take a picture of your house, if you could beautify it, like there's a there's there's the apps that you can make your eyes bigger for your phones when you're yep. taking selfies and people are posting those on social media. So I'm wondering if there's something like that. The problem is is that the media editing software is getting so good using yep. artificial intelligence, it's becoming more and more difficult to detect. And you know who this is affecting the most? UFOologist who are trying to look for those pranks and those false things that come out in the media. <laughs> you know, it serves them right. <laughs> hey, this well, is, it's all true. <laughs> it is. This is the Internet Advisor. We'll be back after this short break. And uh, when we get back, we're probably going to be talking about some of the some of the holiday things that are happening this time of year. 
Welcome back to the Internet Advisor. Ed Rudell here with Caston Thomas. And I'm trying to think of, you know, I'm trying to think of that favorite gift I want to give away this year. And I just... just oh, I got not, some ideas. I'm just not into it. My kids are out of the house now. <laughs> um, my wife is, you know, not into some of these technology things. And you well, know, That's what happens when you're filthy rich and you've got everything you need, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> just, just get out of my way. I'm staring out the window and I'm looking at the lawn. You know, that's uh, her happiness. You know, I'm reading a book. Uh, the title is Stuffication. And it's all about... Uh, we're living our lives with stuff and, you know, we're suffocating. And I keep on stuffing that stuffocation yeah. <laughs> in different closets. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. well, it's, it's the stuff we're carrying around in our, our hands and our heads that, that is the problem. So, you know, getting off of Facebook and spending a lot less time on my phone has been my task this year. And, uh, I can say that my, my quality of life has gone up as a result of it. I'm not even feeling like I'm missing out from Facebook. You know, that's good because I've noticed that I, although I still participate in Facebook a little bit, I don't really contribute. I'm more of a, I, you know, to watch what's going on with family and friends. Um, You're a lurker. I'm a lurker. <laughs> and the, the, the participation out there has substantially dropped. Facebook yeah. has some troubles going on. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I'm seeing that on, on the other ones as well. In fact, uh, uh, I did some reading. We can talk about it in a little bit about depression from social media and, and what's happening there. Oh my but goodness. let's talk about gifts now. Um, you know, we were talking about uh, the iPhone X and uh, the Pixel and the Samsung phones. Right. You know, that's a good place to start if somebody's kind of running out of horsepower on their phones. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I was I was looking at some some other ideas you know if uh somebody has an iphone uh the iwatch you know the apple watch would be a, a great gift and you've got fitbits and other fitness watches you're seeing the prices come down mm -hmm. and things are getting a lot better in that regard um everybody has an alexa now well i don't but you know or a google home yes uh, apple's supposed to be releasing something from the home and uh the apple tv is getting smarter and smarter with those releases right but even so there are accessories coming out for google home they've got the google home hub which looks kind of like a, a white ipad that just sits on a counter and that's where you control your nest thermostat or uh, look for the weather it's complimentary to Google Home, complimentary to the Alexa, because you can quickly get the weather. Sometimes the visuals really help. I think you're going to see over time that both Google and Apple and Amazon go in that direction, because these companies are driven by ads. Well, Amazon's not, but uh, particularly Google and Facebook, because Facebook's working on something as well. I was well. going to say, I was wondering why they haven't come up with any hardware um, yet. I... You know what? Of all those four companies, who would you trust least to put a camera or a microphone in your home? <laughs> yeah, you, you know what might be a good idea for for uh, grandparents is a smart TV. Now, uh, you know, oh, my parents love it. Yeah, absolutely. Or and with a sound bar too. Yeah, and with integrated sound bar or uh, buy a separate one because and most of them are Bluetooth enabled and you could buy headsets with them for the hard of hearing. And they run with Roku, which is an absolutely fabulous smart TV platform. You don't have to do an Apple TV or, you know, the the 
Amazon equivalent. And what I didn't realize, well, Foster and I talked about this a, a few weeks ago with Gary, and we were talking about smart TVs and, and the Roku, and when we had uh, Rick Broida on, was on that yep. episode, and I said, Rick is a big um, Roku guy. Yep. And I asked him about the Roku that supports the aerial antenna. And he goes, you know, I don't think they make that. You have to buy the, the integrated, you have to buy the smart TV that comes with Roku integrated. And what they've done is they've integrated the menu within the Roku to yep. pull the stations for you. Yep. So that way you can use, that way, that's one of the best ways to get off of, um, you know, Yeah, so cable. everybody lives out in the middle of nowhere like you, out in the boondocks. That's a great yeah. solution. Oh, I hooked up my antenna again. How'd it work? It, it good, good, but we only got like 21 stations. So I, I, before uh, several episodes ago, I told you we had like 50. Uh, either the winds changed or I was over-exaggerating or my memory's faulty. I got around 21 Did stations. Did the direction of your antenna change? The wind may have blown it, yeah. blown it in a different direction because I, the motor went out. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well. It's one of those. So, you know, a couple other ideas. Uh, the VR headsets, the virtual reality headsets are Oh, I wouldn't strong. have thought about that. Um, I was going to get Connie the greatest idea because uh, she gave up her office. And she goes to the real estate office to do transactions and, and do a lot of her work now. And she mm -hmm. works from home. But essentially, you know, her office is wherever she is, whether that's going to Starbucks or whatever. That's true. And she's got a ton of... Uh, uh, supporting materials and some of the charitable and uh, networking organizations that she's a part of. She's just got a ton of stuff. And I was going to get her a, a business suitcase. It looks like one of the smaller suitcases that you carry onto a plane, and, you know, the travel suitcases. Mm -hmm. But these are specifically built to hold the laptop and hold papers. So it's got a lot of different compartments. And she came home and said, look what I bought. And I'm like, oh, no, I've got to start shopping again. <laughs> uh, oh, did she bought one? Oh, yeah, she bought it. It's beautiful. It's pink. And it's just got Connie written all over it. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I've seen uh, not the briefcases, but what the oversized purses, which are compartmentalized for the business person, the yep. laptops, the paperwork, the yep. phones, the chargers. This yeah. is the one that has that telescoping handle and is on wheels. It It's just like what she'd carry onto the plane. Oh, but, perfect. Uh, it's just got a lot more compartments and things for the stuff that a business person would take on the road. So wherever she is, she's got that in her car and it's not sliding off of the back seat or, you know, papers getting rumpled or all that. Great uh, idea. It's, yeah, it's a great idea. And then uh, uh, for the child who has almost everything, I saw the coolest little robot and it's called the Anki, A-N-K-I, Vector Robot Sidekick. Uh, under $200, and uh, it's it's just really cool. Something that'll entertain you and the kids? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the excuse. You know, you, you have, I, I'm looking forward to having grandkids just so that I can watch cartoons again. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to show them the good stuff. I'm going to well, show them the Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner vintage. A lot of people <laughs> consider that violent now. When we look back now, it's like, but that's what we grew up with, so that's what we're used well, to. Well, I turned out okay. Yeah, Isn't I know. that the excuse? So... One of the things that we noticed was there was a there was a change up or switch up of the re online retailers. Amazon's always been up there. Yeah, you know, almost half of the online purchases, forty eight percent of online purchases, uh, this year are done with Amazon. Incredible. And right behind, well, not right behind them, far behind them, with uh, like seven percent is eBay. Wow, that is a lot. Yeah, they're team. number two. 
Uh, Walmart and Apple are right about 4%, mm -hmm. but Walmart's growth rate was huge this year, and so they overtook Apple. And then I was like, well, who would be number five? So I had to do a little digging, but found out that Home Depot's number five. That's interesting. And you know what I'm surprised at is that Apple is actually number three or four when they only have so many products. Yeah. You know, unless they're including the App Store. They may be including iTunes there because iTunes there and are iTunes. online purchases. Yeah. But, you know, uh, you see Apple with their retail stores, Walmart's coming after Amazon, and then Amazon's made a couple of retail purchases, including Good Food Company, in order to yes. uh, start building that presence. And oh. they're also talking about getting into uh, uh, pharmacy uh, services as well. Through oh, that. that's interesting. Competing so, with CVS and out there. So that's... everything's converging. Wow. So no, where did Amazon's new headquarters, I forgot, was it going to be New York or Washington? Uh, they, they split it up into two. And you know what? Did they really? You know, it, with all the government contracts that Jeff Bezos and Amazon have been getting with the U.S. government, uh, and because he also owns the Washington Post, which it, to me is a huge conflict of interest, uh, it... I predicted because it just made all the sense that it would be Virginia. Uh, the other one is, uh, I think, in Brooklyn, but it's in New York City. Uh, I believe it's Brooklyn. And uh, gosh, I'm glad we didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm sorry I missed that bit of news, and I'm really surprised they split it. Hey, this is the Internet Advisor, and we'll be back in just a few moments. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Internet Advisor. I'm your host, Ed Rudell, and in studio with me is Kasten Thomas. And we're going to go over a couple news items here that I thought was interesting. First is, or I got the wrinkled paper noise. There you go. <laughs> the first one is like an, um, a throwback from a couple months ago, October um, 1st, or October 2nd. Microsoft was supposed to release that um, 1809 update. Oh, yeah. And it went horribly wrong Yep. with... Um, uh, people because it was overwriting files and deleting ac unused accounts and stuff like that. Microsoft pulled that back. Well, the only news that we have is Microsoft has re-released -re it for beta testers. Awesome. Awesome. That's all I'm going to say about that. Oh, boy, and you're uh, the Windows guy. <laughs> you know... You know, it's it's Microsoft, so you got to keep it short. You know, a couple episodes ago, we <laughs> talked about how um, big companies like that, they measure what they can, right? Yep. They're measuring everything, but sometimes right. they're not measuring the right things. Right. And which is like, uh, and, and it's really hard. The beta testers actually contribute uh, through an online forum through Microsoft. And they try to filter through oh, all oh, of oh, that. Oh, 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 oh. Beta testers. A lot of people don't understand beta programs. Could, could you tell us what that is? Beta testers are volunteers, in this case, that are actually want to test the software that Microsoft releases and then give feedback. And they test it in various ways. They, it, it doesn't impact my Microsoft uh PC or server or whatever, does it impact any of the software I have on it? And I'm puffing out my chest right now. Okay. Before it goes to beta, it's in alpha. Okay. Alpha beta. Uh, so I've actually been an alpha tester for Microsoft at the past. Okay. And uh, 
that might be where the source of some of my disgruntlement with Microsoft <laughs> comes because sometimes I've thought that the alpha software was more stable than the production software. Uh, you know, <laughs> Microsoft unfortunately has to please a large audience. And uh, when sometimes oh, when on, you just make two and a half billion people and all the different hardware platforms. So when you, when you fix some one thing, you might break something else and that's yeah. what they're finding out. So what, Microsoft discovered... Well, the real problem is when you fix one thing and break two things. Well... And that's all too common in, in the corporate software industry. Right. So what Microsoft has a hard time measuring is the, is the people contributing into the forum saying they're having problems. They don't know if they're being bashed, you know, if you will. Right. And or if the people are being... Um, you know, wholeheartedly, you know, saying, hey, I got this problem here. This is it. And and some of the people may not be providing them the correct information. Now, they're supposed to be running diagnostic and uploading log files. Um, apparently, they don't measure that that well. Or right. they do. So, yeah, they, they have some work It's fundamental to do. because Apple has a better reputation, or they have historically, and recently it's been getting worse, but Google has their internal processes to release things systematically and these methodologies that they work with that catch those problems earlier in the process. And I just scratch my head and I'm like, you know, Microsoft, you've got billions and billions and billions of dollars. Take a couple hundred million and fix that. Yeah. I mean, fix that process. Who was so it that was it you that doesn't happen? Said it last week or two weeks ago, siloed. Microsoft is very siloed, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And as much as people want to change that and go horizontal, they end up being siloed again a few years later. Once they once they level everything out and say they're going horizontal, they end up siloed again. Well, th there's a good side to silo and there's a bad side to silo right. because you can't know everything. So you do need to have specialists who are concentrating on those things that they do. I mean, it's just like you and Cal. Cal does Apple, you do Windows, and you could do both, but then you'd know half as much of two things <laughs> than all of one thing. No, my brain case can't handle that much. <laughs> the other piece of newsworthy item here, I thought this was really interesting, is NVIDIA stock plummeted 19% upon the news that they just didn't meet their expectations and, and sell all of their NVIDIA chipsets. Yeah, I know. And it's really interesting. It Why? Is, it is interesting because of the cryptocurrency buzz that's been going on for two years. I, I didn't understand that. Why? Cryptocurrency. So basically, you could build a very high, fast... These... These um, NVIDIA makes chips for video processing. You know, right. when, you, when you're playing these video games, these things are dedicated to rendering graphics and... Uh, but they can also be programmed to do other things. And like, if you opened up your computer and looked at some of the chipsets, the ones that would eventually, if you followed all the circuits on the board, that would lead to the video are typically the NVIDIA chips, correct, right? Correct, correct. Okay. And, so, and, and they've got that label. So if you've got an old computer, pop it open and see if we're right. Oh, that's true. It'll <laughs> say Intel if it's cheap, but if it's a little higher end, it might say NVIDIA. Well, if it's doing the graphics stuff. Right. I mean, so what people were doing is they were buying NVIDIA cards, for video cards yep. and they'd stack about four or six of them in a computer case and when they did that then they ran some linux software and they would go mining for bitcoins running all this code scouring the internet for all of these um servers that contain yep. all of the ledgers or yep. and uh but i think that nvidia was actually building special boards or special chips just to do cryptocurrency creation so as bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies prices have dropped 
and or maybe all the geeks have <laughs> spent enough money and they don't want to buy any more NVIDIA chips, whatever, they didn't sell all their CPUs. So it was an unusual... Um, uh, well, you know, it makes a lot of sense because if Bitcoin, back when it was selling for $20,000, it meant that I could buy a lot of hardware because I would get the return on my investment at $20,000 per Bitcoin. But now it's pushing down to 5000 and some people are saying could go lower. Now you're making one quarter of the amount of Right, and you still Bitcoin. have to pay for all that electricity because that, yeah. that's the number one. After you buy the hardware, which is relatively inexpensive, you have time and electricity. Yeah. That's what it is. And then your internet connection speed. Yep. Sorry. It's amazing and, stuff. Yeah. So those are my two newsworthy items, and I thought that was, uh, you know, on a currency that doesn't even really exist or is federally controlled. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I've got one, okay, and it's the Brave browser, and we've talked to people about Brave, uh, www.brave.com, and you can download the browser. They've released something called Speed Reader Mode, and it's like, oh, Gosh, I'm going to love this because the web pages download 20 times faster. And, and I haven't gone into depth as to why, but I would imagine that uh, they're minimizing the number of graphics. One of the reasons that I love Brave is because it does a great job of minimizing cookies. And cookies are those things that web browsers use, um, you know, cookie monster, yum, 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 yum. Right. Um, you know, the, the companies who create web pages, create those cookies because they want to eat them up. Correct. Well, that's true. And those cookies are the way that they track you and track your activity. You might have gone and looked at green umbrellas on Amazon.com. And so the people who are doing that can tell that, you know what, two weeks ago you looked at green umbrellas and then they can sell to you. So that's the purpose of cookies. And Brave does a great job of minimizing that. They do a fantastic job of limiting ads and limiting pop-ups. So it's a lot faster. But this speed reader mode, I believe, is probably taking uh, cached graphics and minimizing uh, the amount of information that's needed in order to give you the information you need. So I can't wait to try that out. When you said the speed reading, I really thought that I was going to hear a voice reading the articles really quickly to me. <laughs> well, you could do that. I listen to my podcast at one and a half speed and there it drives Connie crazy. <laughs> That's interesting. So I haven't personally tried Brave, um, so I'll have to try that. Yeah, yeah, you got it. You'll love it. And they've got it for the iPhone and the Android and... PC it, and Mac. Yep. And, okay, man, don't know yep. about Linux, but uh, possibly. I believe there's a Linux version because this is... Uh, because they're not doing advertising, this is actually being funded by uh, a couple of very successful... Uh, uh, executives who've made a lot of money in the technology industry, and they're very concerned about the tracking and the privacy issues. Now, so. a lot of websites will not let you actually view them unless you enable cookies. I mean, you, you, it, they just come right out and say, we're not going to display this content because you have yep. uh, cookies. You don't, your cookies aren't enabled. Yep. So and and Brave, I run into that yep. because one of the sites that I look at regularly I will look at it in Brave, but it won't play the videos because they figured out how we're not going to play videos if we don't see a cookie. 
So oh, okay. uh, that means I just have to go and bumble around and cut and paste and open up my Chrome browser in order to do that. So what they really should do is probably create something like a um, um, two things that should really never mix, a cookie and a sandbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a sandbox is a virtual environment that you can just wipe clean when you're done. Yep. And and I'm sure Brave has that where you can enable cookies and then every time you exit the browser it flushes the cookies. Oh, you can do that with you Internet that with... Explorer and Google. Yes. It gets rid of them, which mean which limits what they can track on you, but they've got other tricky ways of doing it too. So I but I really like the cookie sandbox idea. Hmm. hmm. Just that's a nice brave cookie sandbox. Oh, there's a joke in here somewhere. I'm trying but it's to find just it. Not coming. There's nothing fun, uh, funny about sand and cookies. That's where I was going. That's where I was going. I just couldn't think of it. Hey, this is the Internet Advisor with Edward Allen, Cast, and Thomas. We'll be back after this quick break. And welcome back to the Internet Advisor. Edward Dell here with Cast and Thomas, and it's been. Two minutes, and I still haven't thought of a good uh, sandbox cookie scenario. So I stopped trying. <laughs> Move on, Ed. I, I, it's I, over. I just got this texture thing in my mouth going on right now with sand and your cookie. It's it just, over. It's okay. No. <laughs> I just couldn't do anything it's with it. It's not pleasant. No, it's not, no matter what we do. And welcome back, like I said, to the Internet Advisor. So, let's see. What do we have here? Oh, you had some interesting things about TSA. Yeah. So the, what is it, uh, Transport Transportation Security Administration. Yeah, it's the guys at the airport. Yeah. Um, I, I went through the airport going down to Atlanta to visit my parents last month, and it took me 45 minutes. And when I got in line, there were 30 people in line. That's not a lot. It, it was crazy. And, and I've got some sympathy for the TSA agents. Mm -hmm. By the way... Do TSA agents like donuts like cops like donuts? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're allowed to. Yeah, if because, anybody knows, if you have a relative, I'd lo I, I've always wondered because that. Because the bomb-sniffing dogs would eat them. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, uh, TSA is rolling out in some of the major airports, streamlining moving people through. And, you know, in sympathy for the TSA agents, you know, they're there to secure our country, but very often they're running errands. And one of the things that I never understood is why do they have to bring those baskets from the end of the line on a cart? And, you know, it takes them away from their job, which is, you know, noticing strange people and doing the things that they're being paid to do. Okay. And they're runners. So what TSA is doing is they've automated that so that when those baskets uh, get down to the uh, end of the conveyor, they're going to drop off and then come back. I mean, it the bowling sense. alleys figured that out 50 years ago. <laughs> it's like an escalator. But they're also making those baskets wider because some people I've seen use four and five yes. of, of those containers to do their cell phone. And in the winter, it's even worse. Um, so... All of that, they've got wider and longer, uh, more square containers to put your stuff in. So all of the inefficiencies, somebody finally started uh, I wonder asking, who they paid to uh, figure that out, to streamline you know, that. I've been wondering this for years because it's like so many things they have to run back through because somebody puts something on top of something else in one of these gray containers. So they've got to run it through, which is all inefficient. Yeah. And because it's government and it's not competitive, there's no incentive 
to make it easier for the travelers. It's certainly not the fault of the guys on the front line, but you're right. Why did it take so long to do this common sense stuff that moves people through the airport faster and lets the TSA agents spend more time doing what they're really trained to do? Right. Pat people down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was nice. (laughs) I never enjoy a good pat down, but... And, you know, the government's finally getting something right, and this has to do with Congress, and they're 10 years late. But Congress is starting to pass legislation that's uh, going to put more teeth into the laws to prosecute the robocallers. Thank goodness. Because we had the do not call list, and that worked great for a while. But when we went to mobile phones right. and the robocallers were able to make calls from the dark web, that's why we have all of the the cell phones taking off because I get something from uh, 586-530 exchange oh, yeah. two or three times a day, and I've got the old AT&T application that blocked that. Well, you know what? But they... But what they're doing is they're actually spoofing legitimate phone numbers in the area. Right. And, you know, I actually had one that came in that was a contact from a vice president that used to work at uh, HP at the time. Yeah. And and I'm like, what is Keith calling me for? Because I used to support mm-hmm. him doing executive support. Yep. And, and then it was a robocall spoofing his number. Yeah. I, I won't even answer phone calls from my exchange, you know. The area code, right. and then that next three digits is called the exchange. Right. If it's from my exchange and my area code, I won't do it. Really? Yeah. See, I usually do, but you can't do that now for the like the last year. Right. So you're saying, but how can the federal government or Congress put teeth in this when most of it is international anyway? Well, they can increase the fines. They can give more power to the FCC to control those inbound lines because... I would like the ability to say, if this isn't coming from a real landline, if this isn't coming from another AT&T, Verizon, Comcast, whatever whatever kind of phone, I don't want it. Okay. Just send it to voicemail and make it unprofitable for those other guys to do it. Now, because most- they know it's coming from a blank area on the internet and they're seeing traffic from those same locations. You know what? Something happened about two months ago, and I'm a Verizon customer, and for two months, maybe two months ago, but for one month, when I received a phone call, and I looked at the number, it said 586 or 248, and but when I looked at the call history, it would say Dubai or Malaysia, but it still said 248 or 586, but it had some other prefix. For some reason, that stopped within that month period, and when I received those calls... And I look through the call history, it doesn't say that anymore. So Verizon was messing with the system last, trying to identify it, and somehow it got through to some of the customers. Well, see, and, and there, are, there are ways in the caller ID system to, what happens is these creative companies are finding ways to, the word is spoof. Yeah. They spoof the source address or the source location. And in doing that, it's kind of a cat and mouse game because eventually AT&T and Verizon, who haven't been putting enough dollars into detecting that to provide a higher level of customer experience. Thank you very much. But here's what I got from AT&T. I got a text message yesterday afternoon and it says, and this is from AT&T, at least I hope it's from AT&T and it wasn't (laughs) spoofed. (laughs) It says, good news. Uh, Actually, I think it's great news. AT&T Mobile Security is now included in your call protect service at no 
extra charge. Hallelujah. Download the mobile security app today and help protect your device from mobile threats. Go to www.att.com slash device security. So that took them all of what, 14 months to do? Uh, all of 14 years. I well, mean, that's true. Well, T-Mobile offered this, and we, we had AT&T on, or our representative from AT&T, yep. and they, they said this was a, you know about this wonderful service, how you could pay for it. <laughs> yep. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, you know, T-Mobile offers that free for their customers. Right. So. And, and it may be because, you know, AT&T has been around forever. They've got an, a lot of old legacy equipment. Yep. It may be that they couldn't write the software without breaking those until they were upgraded so that they could perform that function. I mean, I'm speculating yeah. here, but T-Mobile may have just had newer computers running their phone network well, I'm that looking, allowed them to do it. I'm looking forward to Verizon and, um, you know, Sprint to do the same thing. I'm looking forward to my phone not ringing so much. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had an incident earlier in the week where um, I received a phone call from a doctor's twice, doctor's office. You know, I was supposed to schedule something and they said, hey, you're supposed to be here for this appointment. And uh, it, it was blocked both times. Yeah. Uh, inadvertently through an Android update that I received on my Verizon phone, my S7, it blocked all unknown phone numbers that weren't in my contact list. Right. Somehow that got switched on. Yep. So I noticed it, went back, turned that setting off, and then I was able to receive a phone call from people that were not in my contact list. So what was the result? Did you get a lot of other phone calls as well? Not yet, because okay. that was only four days ago. Okay. So, okay. Um, and I usually just let a lot of things go to the voicemail. Sure. I, you know, so. Well, it sounds like the U.S. government and uh, our friends at AT&T and Verizon are finally catching up to T-Mobile, yeah. and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. Well, maybe it'll be a good Christmas after all. So, hey, you know, that's going to be wrapping up our show this week for the Internet Advisor. It's you been can, a fun time. Great conversation. Yeah. I wish we could have got a few more um, Christmas uh, wish list things in there, but maybe we'll do that next week when Cal is back in the studio with yeah, us. Yeah, and after that, we're going to try and get Rick Broida on to talk about the cheapskate last-minute kinds of shopping that we can do. That's I'm all about cheap. There you go. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Kastner, for being in the studio with Glad us. Glad to be here. Internet Advisor, I'm Ed Riddell. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Internet Advisor Show, Detroit's longest-running, locally-produced computer show, with Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and our team of experts. For more information about our weekly show, to ask a question of our experts, or find the show notes for this podcast, visit internetadvisor.net. And look for us on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to check the other great podcasts available on this podcastdetroit.com network. Thank you for listening.